On September 17, 2009, 24-year-old Mitrice Richardson disappeared without a trace in the woods near Malibu, California, and was never seen alive again. I'm Katherine Townsend, host of the podcast Helen Gone. We're going to try to find out what really happened to Mitrice Richardson. School of Humans and iHeartRadio present Helen Gone Season 3. Listen to Helen Gone on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dr. Wendy Walsh, host of the podcast Mating Matters. I believe nearly every human behavior is motivated by a desire for love. I love the romantic endings. I believe in happy endings. Sex. Sometimes find myself looking for reasons to have sex. Or to hedge your reproductive odds. I've always been very active. In Mating Matters, we explore how our ancient brains are interacting with the modern world. Listen to Mating Matters on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For the week of Thursday, May 20th, as the United States and the rest of the world continue the war on COVID-19, has President Trump declared war on inspectors general? With Joe Biden continuing to hunker down in his basement, is his vice presidential pick more important than ever? And finally, has everyone taken their hydroxychloroquine today? Has a lack of consistent messaging and a propensity to politicize everything led some Americans to choose the advice they follow based on their political party? For Politicon, I'm Clay Aiken. Stephanie Miller is one of the top-rated radio hosts on Sirius XM and one of the most outspoken progressives in America. Joy Via's independent rock albums have hit the top of the Billboard charts, and her fashion statements at the Grammys in favor of President Trump have earned her international notoriety. Carrie Sheffield has written for almost every media outlet in America, from HuffPost to the Daily Caller, from the Wall Street Journal to the New York Times. She's currently the White House correspondent for Just the News. And Anthony Atamanik's spot-on impersonation of Donald Trump has won him legions of fans through his nationwide Trump versus Bernie tour, his acclaimed comedy albums, and his Comedy Central program, The President Show. They are all joining the Politicon podcast family this week to answer all of those questions, and one of them might even know the answer to how the heck are we gonna get along joy hello hi anthony hello hey hey clay how are you i'm clay i'm good how are y'all what have you been up to (laughs) how's everyone handling the quarantine what have you been doing anthony you've got a new podcast right i have a new podcast coffee with tony we actually just interviewed stephanie kelton who was uh uh you know the the economist who came up with MMT and uh, worked for the Bernie Sanders campaign. So that's out. Um, I was in the middle of a tour actually. And I visited every COVID city that uh, as COVID was hitting, I would like leave that city. So who knows? Mm. Maybe I was the, uh, was maybe say, I was maybe patient zero. Fault. Maybe you've uh, been spreading it around. I think that <laughs> yeah. was my fault. We started in Seattle, <laughs> the Sex and Liberal Tour. It was my fault, Tony. Sorry. Were you, did you bring it to Seattle? So were you yes. touring too, Stephanie? Yeah? I am patient yeah. zero. Yeah, we, yes. we started the Sexy Liberal Tour in Seattle and ended the Sexy Liberal Tour 2020 in Seattle. <laughs> because See, I got, was we pretty- only got one in. Well, there you go. You can blame the liberals. I ended the sexy liberal tour back in 2012 when I you, last toured, but I you, thought, okay, but if you want to take the title, that's fine. You fucker. <laughs> oh, there we go. There's our first fuck. <laughs> it's already in. And um, Carrie, you're not touring, but you are. Um, uh, Carrie and I are good friends. Go way back. You, uh, Carrie, is a little bit of a klutz. Is that not true, Carrie? You um, had, a little, had a little rollerblading accident this weekend. Yeah. You want to tell us all? <laughs> <laughs> You're not embarrassed, um, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not embarrassed to play. No, I um, I uh, I apparently have Arrested Development, and I am stuck in the '90s. Um, I love rollerblading. Well, I did until Friday, because uh, Friday evening I decided to break my cabin fever and go in my local park for a rollerblade. Nice. And I was trying to be safe because I didn't have my phone because I was going in a route that I didn't know. So I said. I'm going to go back the way I came because I know where that is instead of venturing out without myself and without my map and GPS. And then, don't you know, by trying to be conservative and not go the unknown route, I then tripped and fell on a hill on the way back. And my oh, whole right my arm goodness. is like totally like going to be oh. scarred. And yes. I don't oh. think I will ever be again. 
I have and seen I, the scar in pictures. It's terrible. Can I just say, if God had wanted us to have wheels on our feet, he would have put them there at Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> you got a tough scar, Carrie. You can say you got into a fight with somebody. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you can say, yeah, you say you, you got no guys. fight. Yeah. You're doing better than a lot of people because at least you're getting out, at least you're getting out of the house. Right, you get out of and the it's, house, and that's good. it's good to get out. Like yeah, I, I ride my bike. You have, you have, you got to get out. Mm-hmm. You can't just stay in the house. You lose it's your true. mind. What about you, you Joel? Yeah. Well, I uh, it's so nice to meet you, Clay. I've always been on Bold nice TV, and you. I always miss you on there. I'm always yes, like, well, like, yeah, I'm very missable. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you're lucky to have missed me. Don't worry. Oh, no, but uh, yeah, well, being a fellow singer in politics, right? it's kind of a weird crossover, right? Where mm-hmm. there's not many of us out there. But I'm actually writing a book. I'm writing a oh. book for yeah. I've used this quarantine to pivot because usually I do a lot of speaking engagements, and you know everything's on lockdown. I'm in lovely Los Angeles, you know, so people were jerks before. Now they're even more jerky out here. Uh, <laughs> it's a good time. Hey, being locked down is a good time to be, to be nice and Zen and hopefully not have yes. writer's block. Right. That's a good lots thing. Lots of now, yoga, lots of book writing. It'll be out July 4th. Actually. Now LA is a little bit different. I was, I was talking to the producers of the podcast earlier today who are all based in mm. LA. I'm in North Carolina. Oh. Anthony, you're mm. in LA, is that right? So Stephanie, nice. where are no, you? No, no, I'm I'm in New York City. I'm right oh. in the epicenter. Uh, oh, okay, in so, <laughs> but you know, I would imagine LA and New York both have a similar sort of vibe because mm. it's, they're both big cities with lots of yeah. cases, and so yeah. I imagine New York is incredible. I mean, I lived there for years. I imagine oh, it's yes. very eerie being quiet. I know that LA people are still lining up outside the Trader Joe's, and there's an eeriness. Oh, yes. I'm not. I I don't see it that much in North Carolina, at least, mm. because where I live, you know, it's pretty quiet anyway, and so it's not like mm. there's much difference. I see some people going. You know, I do go go to the grocery store. I wear my mask. There are lots of people who aren't wearing the masks. In North Carolina, is that a thing in New York and LA? I have a technique for that. I think that's great. I'm in in LA. uh, I'm grateful that we have more spacing than in New York. You know that you can distance, I think, more easily. But um, I have a, I have a. This is me when I'm on the hiking trail and someone does not have a mask. I just go. But Joy, I want to bring uh, Joy. I got to come back to you because I said people are not wearing yeah. the mask, and you said that uh, you think that's great. Tell, explain that. I to do. Me. Yeah. Well, I believe. Well, I'd like to hear the statistics. I mean, I was on a White House call this morning with the president. He did say that we've reduced fatalities by fifteen percent less la- since last week. Um, and Dr. Burke said this. And, and great. 50% are we still number since- one in the world? Fifty oh, percent. Was, was I heckling? Sorry. Yeah. And, oh, and fifty percent. Let's talk about actual. Let's talk about mortality rates as opposed to. Will someone let rates? Joy answer the question okay. for the love of God? I'm the most so hyper. I'm the most polite liberal. I was waiting no for Joy to no finish. No one has spoken to anyone else all day, all week. <laughs> We've all been stuck inside. No one's spoken. So excited. Okay, Joy was explaining her your your mask thoughts. Sorry, you said the president. I threw up. I apologize. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I mean, you you might want to get something for that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, anyways, fatalities are going down, so things are seem to be getting better. And I can say that I was in Big Bear this weekend, and in San Bernardino County, they don't require you to wear a mask. It's up to you. It's up to you. So when you go into stores, the people who work there are wearing masks, and they serve you, and you they let you eat outside. But it's not mandatory. And I tell you, it was so beautiful and so nice. Everyone was socially distant. We're keeping our social distance because if you want to wear a mask, you can. But all this enforced, oh, we're going to be wearing masks. We're going to do this. And people wearing gloves. What is it actually doing? I want to see the actual statistics before they well, keep they taking the rights they away. They have them in Singapore, Singapore and changing. elsewhere. Singapore is a totally different of, place. Places who have a culture of wearing masks. I mean, Sweden, which Fox News cites all Sweden the time never now, shut the down. highest per capita. Right. They have the highest per capita death rate now. No, and that's, that's not the, true. That's, I, excuse me. I have the story right in front of me. Would you like me to read from it? As the person who's, I, I'll say, as the person who lives I, I, I in the, the listen, highest death correct, rate. But I'm saying. Well, it's, well, well, hold on. I think that the th- issue here is is one. I, I'm going to try to be the unifier here in a way, which is to uh-oh. say, 
I think that the problem is, is that, that what we're looking at is three different factors. The first factor is the approach at the beginning of the pandemic that was confused and was not, um, besides, let's say, the, the China shutdown, which I don't know what effect that really had, the confusion and the lack of coordinated response in the federal down to the state level has led us to this place of having things that are subjective as opposed to objective. And as someone who lives in a New York neighborhood where 20,000 people have died in my borough, and I'm just sorry. getting off the phone with my mother-in-law, who says that there's, I'll give you a very easy, actual real world case. There are six people on the corner of my mother-in-law's block who are all socially distanced, stayed inside, go out for walks with masks on. And then there are a bunch of Russians who now live all around that neighborhood because they all immigrated there and they want to stay out and be out and hang out and smoke cigarettes and all that. And they all have COVID. They've all tested positive for COVID. Half of them are sick. Half of them are in the hospital. And the people who have stayed inside and worn masks, like my uh, father-in-law, who's 77 years old and has diabetes. So the question is, is I I can understand your perspective, Joy, in the sense of I feel that perspective sometimes, too, when I'm out biking. Why am I wearing this mask? Okay, but the thing I do want to implore anybody to think about is the idea of the, the part of it, which is scientific and not a belief system. It's a scientific system, which is you could carry this and you could and inadvertently not, infect one in and four. kill somebody. There is one in right? four who have coronavirus who have you no know? symptoms or asymptomatic. Exactly. Absolutely. So that's all and I'm putting out there. Wants, here, right? uh, nobody Tony, wants other people to die. Yes. But Tony, there's definitely a portion of the population who are older, who are weaker, who should be protected, who yeah. absolutely should be. But, but people in their 30s, people of genetic people backgrounds, but they're not all healthy. The healthy people, let, me, let me get my girl in here. Yeah. Let me get yeah. my girl, yeah. Carrie, well, in here real quick. Yeah, I want to ask, I wanna ask yeah. Carrie, Carrie uh, you know, one of the things Anthony mentioned was the start of the pandemic and how there was some confusion in and then now where we're in a place where we've got subjective information and not necessarily objective information there's so so obviously we had the the president um ad, admit confess tell us announce whatever you want to say uh yes monday that he had been taking uh you know what you call it hydro hydro Hydroxychloroquine, right? Yes, there it is. <laughs> I had to look it up. Yes. So, <laughs> Carrie, when what are your what are your feelings about the president of the United States? A sort of giving that sort of medical advice, despite the fact that some of the experts around him have said, "Ah, be careful on that." And maybe even more concerned for some people is, you know, we we hire and pay the Secret Service to protect the president at all costs. I mean, if there's an attack and he's got to go to a secure location, his feet might touch the ground on the way there, but he's going whether he wants to or not. Are we comfortable with, are you, Carrie, or any of us comfortable with the fact that the president may have been given the option of taking something that a lot of folks feel is not necessarily safe? It's uh, no, it's it's uh, wildly irresponsible and dangerous. It's it's wildly irresponsible and dangerous for him to suggest it. And furthermore, it's bullshit that he's taking it. Let me just say that right now. I everything agree with he says, what do you mean everything, by bullshit? Though? Everything he says is a lie. Number one and number two. That's not and, biased at all. And, and that's why his doctor's <laughs> note was so. It didn't really say he prescribed it or you know he's taking it. It was very you know. Well, now, he, a, now Kaylee McEnany had did come out today and say yes, he is taking it, and the doctor. The well, White then House he's a bigger moron than we think he is. Did I mean, prescribe it, it's, him. His own FDA, FDA is telling people don't take this. Well, no, hold on. And, Fox I mean, News and, said this can kill you, and then he turned on Fox News. Fox, well, I mean, I mean listen, there's nothing. Hold on, this. now, Stephanie. I don't. There's nothing I hate more than somebody making me defend him. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is it is true that people take hydroxychloroquine. All over the world, studies. every day, constantly for, for rheumatoid arthritis. But they take the same doses for rheumatoid arthritis. They take low mm-hmm. doses for that. So Nancy I mean, Pelosi is, it is a- absolutely correct, and so is Dick Cheney's doctor, who said the same thing. He is morbidly obese. He is 73. Hold on, y'all. Don't help me. Don't help me. Don't help me. I got it. (laughs) Don't help me. (laughs) Stephanie, how are we going to take, how are we going to criticize Nancy Pelosi? 
I mean, I would c- criticize Donald Trump for giving medical advice, but then take Nancy Pelosi's medical advice. I mean, don't we <laughs> have to choose? The same thing Dick Cheney's cardiologist said is that But don't we have to choose who if we're going to trust doctors? If we're going to trust doctors, then ha- don't we have to trust doctors and not politicians? I mean, you can't trust well, c- can Nancy I Pelosi's medical advice. Every doctor that has been asked, first of all, he's well, apparently not the doctors and frontline workers are taking it preventatively. And there have been a number of studies. We're now at the point where he calls every scientific study that doesn't say what he wants to Trump haters or these are people. This is our VA. These are studies, one study after another saying it is not effective and it is dangerous. Right, but, but if but if the skin. White House, okay, folks, you got to let me you got to let me ask them because I'll get I'll get them I'll get the questions in I'll get y'all in here too. But uh, let me let me just focus in on this, Stephanie. If his if his White House doctor has been willing to prescribe it and prescribed it in a dose that people take for other conditions, rheumatoid arthritis, etc., and and the FDA has given permission for all doctors to prescribe off-label for things. I mean, that's not, that's not. There is no doctor that is prescribing this preventatively and it is not effective. There is not one study. NYU is in the middle of a study currently Mm. doing the exact same dose that the president is taking right now in a study as a preventative prophylaxis for, I can't say that word. I sure hope, let me just say as a a patriot, I certainly hope it doesn't interact with his Propecia and his Adderall and his, uh, (laughs) By oh, okay. <laughs> so let me get Carrie in here real quick, and then I'll get to I'll get to everybody because we're all we all clearly have opinions on this. But Carrie, um, I mean, to to let the president take something that is not a hundred percent proven to be safe. I mean, yes, some people take it for other reasons, but you know, the president is that necessarily if you someone have who, a UV light up your ass and you're checking Clorox? Then apparently it's safe. So that's just are a little. We, I'm not what a doctor here. with this woman. Yeah, so um, <laughs> Carrie, give me your thoughts on taking a drug and that that is, you know, not okay, necessarily so, been considered to be safe yet. Um, so at the White House yesterday, Trump had the VA secretary and the HHS secretary clear up a lot of what they called was misinformation. So, for example, hydroxychloroquine has already been approved and used in the United States for over 65 years, 70 years. The Department of Defense uses it. The State Department uses it. Um, the VA secretary said at the White House that on any given day, the VA uses 42,000 doses of hydroxychloroquine uh, as a prophylactic. And so it's a preventative measure. So when Trump said that he was taking hydroxychloroquine, he said it, it wasn't to treat uh, him for coronavirus. It was a, as a preventative measure. And so then the HHS secretary, Alex Azar, says it's called off-label using and off-label uses have been around, you know, since we had medicine or since we had modern pharmaceuticals that if a drug in consultation with your doctor is approved and you're doing it under the guidance of a physician, which is what the president is doing, then that's certainly allowed. Anthony. Uh, So, yeah, well, I think that the the issue here, one, is that it's the combination of azithromycin and hydroxychloroquine um, is the most dangerous Mm. version of the combination. It's when the azithromycin, what it tends to do is uh, cause uh, cardiac arrest or um, uh, lung failure in relationship to heart uh, uh, what do you call it? Vascular issues. So, uh, do I think that I, I think that I'm going to look at the larger point of view here and say this is to me. And so, you, you don't worry, Joy. You're not going to be happy with what I'm, what I'm going to say. If this is a red herring, <laughs> it's a it's just a fucking red herring. All this shit is just garbage. And there, here's why: because I will say, as playing him for years, feeling like I get I have a special. Uh, connection inside his head and maybe living in Queens or whatever it is, is that this is a different game for him. I tell you, I guarantee you every day, his objective is how do I get this thing straight enough so that everyone stops focusing on it because there's an election, we need the economy to get back, and I need to stay president. That is the mm. only thing that's going on. And every other focus that's happening, is he concerned? You think, honestly, and I'll tell you, even if you're a supporter of his, and I'm not even saying it, how's this? I'm not even saying it, let's say, negatively. Do you really think he does more than he binge watches cable? He's 
binge watches cable television and figures out how to he's like a gambler at the track he the, the races the horse races have stopped because you know uh, the, a horse's leg broke on the track and he's like how do we drag that dead horse off the track and get going again that's all that matters to him okay because this is a man whose objective is a much larger objective i mean this is part of the whole obamagate thing that's occurring now which is that this is about him correcting old grievances Everything is a personal journey that is his narrative, and we're all living in his movie, and we're all living it. We are taking the bait and living his movie. And the truth of the matter is, is that this virus <laughs> and whatever this pandemic is and whatever comes down the line, someday, as I did in my last special, he will be gone six feet under and gone. Are we still, are we still, and I'm not saying, yes, but like, I'm saying that when that happens, all the problems we're dealing with, the systemic failures of the system prior to Trump and the failures that occur now still have to be addressed. And no party has truly really addressed that. You either have one corporatist party that wants to figure out how to get us back into bleeding us out just enough so that we pay money into systems that have no value, or another party that basically basically tells you that you should be uh, getting a little bit more of a rebate and we'll screw you the other way, but we don't use no lube. So okay. those are our gonna, two I wanna, options. I want to wrap, I want to wrap <laughs> this, I want to wrap this up because I, I and, and move to another topic and yes. I'm going to go to you first, Joey, <laughs> with you. it. Because, um, but, you but I want to, but Tony. I want to, I said here, here, Tony, and he was distracting from Dr. Bright's testimony <laughs> who said this is dangerous and should not be prescribed. That whole thing that I said a second ago fired. about wanting to wrap this up, that means be quiet everybody i'm moving on so we're just kindergartners here i will say i I swear to god i'm going to mute somebody's (laughs) microphone in a minute Um, (laughs) so i will say this uh, you know i i i I gotta say stephanie you and you and anthony both are are sort of i'm a i'm a progressive i am a democrat i am i own my bias on this show but i'll say that i feel like over all the weeks we've done this show, something has has kind of popped up amongst my own party members. And I got to say, I'm feeling the worst of it tonight from my Democratic brethren and sister um, mm-hmm. in that when there's a specific question in the past, I have noticed and what has frustrated me. And Carrie can tell you firsthand because she and I have argued for years together. One <laughs> of the things that frustrates me about Republicans, <laughs> is that often a specific question will get a- asked, and I feel personally that oftentimes Republicans will spin out of that question and talk about something completely entirely different. For what sure. I have found very, very often in the last few weeks is that anytime there's a question about a specific issue, a specific policy issue, a specific um, event that has happened, something specific that the president has done, Democrats have a very, very difficult time talking about that issue and not slinging off into wild uh, tangents about how horrible Trump is as a person. You said it. And and that may be, don't help me, Joy. Well, there's a reason that that because he's a horrible person. That may be. But but let me ask you, Stephanie, and I'm going to come to Joy first. I, I did say I want to. But I have to say, I don't know how that changes anybody's mind because my mother is someone who voted for Trump. And I'm not going to change her mind by telling her she's wrong, and I'm not going to change her mind by telling her that the person she voted for is wrong and that everything about him is horrible and he's evil, etc. And I'm not sure sometimes if Democrats are talking to only the base anymore or if they're actually trying to speak to the moderates oh my God. in the middle. Really? I know you, you want to speak to Joy. Listen, I've been... Trump only speaks to his base. And by oh, the way, I, I have a... Well, have well a Stephanie, that's, a, that's, the, that's the equivalent, that's the podcast equivalent of I know you are, but what am I? And I've well, never I, heard anybody I, win an can argument I say with I know you are. No, I'm going to go to Joy because I said I was going to go to Joy first, but I just wanted to say... I wanted to get... Because I have a little bit of an answer to that yeah well good i I do want to i do want to hear it but joey i want to ask you i mean does that make your job easier you know i hate the mudslinging on both sides i have to say i do find that you know because i was an independent that voted left i was a liberal independence what i'm going to explain in my book too but uh i voted for obama i was total left-leaning and i thought Trump was the monster that a lot of people talk about. Oh, misogynistic, racist, all this stuff. I heard all this mudsling. I thought, oh my God, is he really this horrible? Is this some ploy to try to get Hillary elected? Because God knows I'm not voting for her, but am I going to vote for this guy? 
guy, the you're fired guy. You know, I was on the other end of the spectrum. But it wasn't until I looked at the policies and I looked at what I felt, my beliefs and my values, I said, well, I'm going to have to vote with the way I believe is true. Now, when I talk to a lot of Republicans, they know policy, but often they don't always outreach to Democrats because they feel like they're going to get shut down or it becomes this thing, well, it's us versus them and the leftists, they don't know anything. Then I talk to Democrats and a lot of them are just like, but I hate Trump. I can't stand him. I'm like, you don't have to like Trump. But what about the policies? What about the things? What about the economy? What about the billion dollars towards the Urban Revitalization Act? What about, you know, the First Step Act? What, there's things we can agree upon, even if you don't like the messenger. What about the message? And I think we both can learn from each other, even though it's a very testy thing. I think that a lot of progressives still have, at least the ones who've been on this show, still have those progressive policy positions that they disagree with the president on. But... I have noticed I over the past few weeks that in it. addition to having those progressive policy differences, they can't focus on them because they're too busy attacking him. So, Anthony, give me some help on that. Okay, well, yeah, so I want to say that that first off, my uh, one, I, I've, I've said this multiple times, which is I actually have great empathy for, for uh, the president. I, I don't see him as a monster. I see him as a flawed person. I really do. He's a flawed human being like any of us, and, and he happens to exhibit, actually, I think a lot of human behavior uh, more than a lot of presidents, which is both a problem and I think a, a clearly a benefit in some ways to him, right? So um, in, in the broader spectrum. And secondly, I want to say that that me saying that it's a diversion or a red herring was not a way of trying to to pivot away from the answer. It's really to say, if he's taking hydrochloroquine, you know, there's nothing really any of us can do about it. And the message uh, behind it is kind of irrelevant, partly because the doctor still has to prescribe it, right? A doctor still has to prescribe it. If I go in and ask my doctor to give me hydrochloroquine, uh, you know, it, that medical professional is still going to make the decision, right? Not And no general citizen can just go get hydrochloroquine at like the Dwayne Reed or whatever. So I think that the larger... Uh, issue here, and I agree, is it can get vitriolic and it's easy to to be like, oh, I just hate the guy and so everything he touches stinks. I, for instance, think that the fat shaming of the president by Nancy Pelosi was a really lame thing to do. Mm, and I think yeah. that it was lame and offensive and hurtful and I think that mm. I spend most of my time touring and I'm to the left of left. I'm like a $30 minimum wage. You know, let's get the federal government competing in every strata of business. Like, I'm left. I'm a big lefty, okay? And I think mm -hmm. the biggest problem is in our own party and our own perspective on how, one, our, our ignoring of, 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 of black and brown people in our own party, um, the fact that we give lip service to women's mm -hmm. issues, but we still mm -hmm. validate and allow predators to stay in our party. And I also mm -hmm. believe that um, the Democratic Party has a huge problem when it comes to offering more than the solution of let's return to what we were doing and what we were doing less us to this. So mm. I don't like the president as a leader. I would not vote for him. I did not vote for him. I don't think he is some subhuman monster. I think he's a person. And I think he's a flawed mm. person who I do not like a lot of his policies, I think, for instance, you're talking about the billion dollars in inner cities is fantastic. I think that the larger problem, if we're getting into policy, though, is that something that's been a 40-year strategy that happened long before Trump, but the choking out of the federal government to the degree where this type of cohesion that's needed at a level uh, during some pandemic like this, we're seeing what happens when Reaganomics extends across 40 years. So what I would argue is philosophically, both parties have to move beyond the two bellwether positions that they've held because neither of them are working. Big government with no oversight okay. doesn't work I, uh, and, and small me? government doesn't work. Carry on, because we're That's starting to go down that rabbit Sorry. hole again. I don't want to Sorry. make some Thank big points, Anthony. I, I appreciate that Tony is willing as a liberal um, to be a bit more objective than what mm -hmm. a lot of conservatives say here in the media, et cetera. So my hat's off to you for that, Tony. Um, and I Thank think you. that as far as what Clay was talking about, the whataboutism, um, it's, it's, it's not only um, uh, frustration within the, the Trump, because you're right, we want to have a centralized, cohesive response to attack this virus. But the problem is that it appears for a lot of people on the left, at least from the view of conservative, 
Um, they're not even willing to concede when Trump is doing something right. So, for example, when uh, they say, oh, there's a shortage of ventilators. Well, guess what? Not a single person uh, died from a lack of ventilator, didn't have a ventilator. And New York Governor Cuomo vastly overestimated how many ventilators he needed. And now Cuomo is singing Trump's praises and Gavin Newsom is singing the president's praises. And so it's frustrating when there are so many people in the leftist base who are not willing to admit uh, what those types of governors and they're being attacked by their own base uh, for selling out when this should really be about working together. Um, and then Stephanie, to is that fair? Should, issue, should, is there something, Stephanie, oh the Democrats gosh, do I get should to be? Talk? <laughs> not if you're gonna. Not if you act like I that. Feel you like don't. Are Democrats honestly, supposed as, as, to? Are Democrats? Is there something that you can that you can concede Trump has done well in this virus response? Hmm. Um. You know what? I'm going to say no. I'm going to be on. I, honestly, I, as the person that's been as 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 the person that's been put in detention by the Clutch the Pearls police on this particular podcast uh i feel like i'm taking i feel like i'm taking fucking crazy pills this is the worst president in our history by far no i don't even know who's the host who's the host i don't even know who the host is who's the host who can who can tell everybody's talking at once i know exactly no what's your name i'm clay Clay. This Sorry, Clay. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Clay. Hi, Clay. Clay I, I let you okay. right. She's, she's drunk. Who it's okay. <laughs> I am not drunk. I am sober, Clay. So entertaining. Okay. I just, I honestly, I, at least, I, at least, at least I feel like the polling is proving me out to be correct. The, the, the American people agree with me. This is insane. Barack Obama is completely right. This is a complete chaotic disaster, his response to this. Are we kidding here? Are we really having a discussion about 95 million people dead and 40 million people out of work? And we're discussing whether we think how good a job he's doing? It is a complete fucking disaster is there not an argument that part of the reason that people are out of work might be well since it's not called the stephanie miller show i'm gonna talk Um, so is there is there not is it not possible that maybe some of the reason that so many people are continuing to be out of work and i'm not making this argument i'm just i'm trying to see the other side is that we haven't reopened um you know not as many people are out of work in states that haven't shut down as much as new york i'm not making a judgment call on whether that's the right thing to do i'm saying there's an argument that if that is our issue then perhaps we do need to reopen some places sooner yeah i feel like we can i can i just okay somebody just said to me oh that's not true I am reading from AP. Sweden has now overtaken the UK, Italy, and Belgium to have the highest coronavirus per capita death rate in the world, throwing its decision to avoid a strict lockdown into further doubt. It is being proven out in state after state. It, it is. It, let me explain the disaster from the beginning. As we all know, he ignored our own intelligence professionals. He believed China. He couldn't talk enough about China's transparency and how what a great job they were doing. He he disbanded the pandemic response team. He ignored the pandemic playbook the Obama administration left. He he turned yes. down the WHO test. Uh, yes. So the CDC test then was late and broken. His China ban still let 400,000 people in and it was late and the disease was already here and as tony knows in new york they've already tracked it that most of it came in from europe came in from europe they, anyway they, yeah. thank so, you so thank these, you. these so, are true these are true okay, points carrie I, I mean, I this is what she's saying Everything is not Stephanie inaccurate just said was, what was she's saying is not inaccurate true. don't help me anthony um, <laughs> everything she's saying is accurate what she said about sweden is true what she said about Sweden is true. What she said about the virus actually coming into the U.S. from Europe, not from Asia, is also true. And these are backed up by facts, not just by speculation. So, so how do you respond to what she said when you can't de- debate the facts? Okay, well, first of all, she said 400,000 people, and it was only 40,000. And the vast majority of those people were U.S. citizens. And the Constitution would not allow... It depends on what, what you're talking about. There were so many loopholes. Ten times orders of magnitude from the reality. Any, any, any um, I, don't know, I don't know where you're. I don't know where you're getting the death rate, but I'm looking at the Johns Hopkins University Medicine Coronavirus Resource Center mortality rates, and the deaths per 100,000 capita for Sweden 
uh, is actually lower than France, Italy, the United Kingdom, Spain, and Belgium. And the United States is actually uh, better than all of those countries. Are are we doing uh, worse by far than any country in the world? Are we doing worse by far? No, we are not. We are actually the only major country, according to Johns Hopkins, per death per 100,000, the only country is Switzerland that is superior to us. The observed case to fatality ratio, according to the Johns Hopkins University Medicine mortality ratio, the United States is superior to Switzerland, Ireland, Spain, Sweden, Netherlands, United Kingdom, Italy, France, Belgium, which means that our death rate, which means our ability to treat this virus is superior to the vast majority of Europe. And the reality is also that when uh, you, January twenty third, any, graph, any graph around the world, isn't isn't this discussion though a little sort of bizarre? Wait, this this and discussion is a little bizarre. Which is wait, hold on. I, I want no no. Stephanie attacked the administration's entire response to this, so I think it's important to look at the timeline. So. January 23rd was the very first time that the intelligence community briefed President Trump for the very first time. Before that, it was China who was suppressing its information. China said that there were no deaths outside of China at that time. So there there were no deaths in the United States at the time that Trump Trump put the travel ban in place. Um, And then you have Fauci, you have We had the first deaths here uh, in California in January. I still think that this discussion, Bon, bon, this discussion makes no sense because for this reason, you're talking about information that you're inciting it. You're saying that it was wonky information. So we don't know when the death started in the United States. We don't know when it transmitted from China. I was in Europe in in December and I knew about the virus in China. I mean, I'm not the president. I'm not an intelligence agency. So I don't think that in other things thing is, is we don't have a testing rate yet that can really be determinative of exactly what the contact tracing or what the level of actual infection is. In New York, they just opened up 23 new testing centers. It's been two and a half months, right? And so as much as we lionize Cuomo, I mean, let's face it, New York in some ways is a grotesque failure because Cuomo cut all sorts of medical programs prior to this pandemic, and we were late to the response. I have no problem criticizing people in my area, but I cannot also allow us to cite things that as stone cold fact when they're wishy-washy. They're, we don't, and we're never going to be able to know at this point, right? We're never going to know. I think that's the big issue, that we don't have the testing in place, and we don't have we, and I think both sides that's tend to agree issue. with that. We, we don't yes. have a lot of we testing in place. We need more. Coming, we don't have, we have it coming, but we don't have it now. Which has really caused a lot of confusion. They're Clay, we are thirty be, second behind Belarus. I, I'm, in I, I'm not. I, I'm, I believe you. I, I'm. I'm making the argument for you at this point because I, way, I say uh, can we I need. Can you let, honey, let you talk. just learned <laughs> my damn name, so no, you can't say anything. <laughs> no, no, let me say. You, Clay. Let me say that. Stephanie, shut up. Stephanie, do you remember when you asked at the beginning of this show, this episode of the podcast, if we can cuss? The answer is yes. Shut the fuck up. Up. Let yes. me move on. Oh, indeed. My okay. goodness. What a so, southern boy you are. So, so, I want to move on to, Lord, <laughs> as if there's anything that could be any more combative than coronavirus and Trump. I knew they were going to kill him. Please ain't FBI. This is Fight Night, a new podcast from iHeartRadio. This is the story about two guys from opposite sides of the street. A hustler blamed for robbing the most dangerous gangsters in the country. This is like issued a, a death warrant for me for something that I don't even know anything about. And the cop who tried to save his life. They thought he had robbed the deadliest man in this country. Guys who would not hesitate to blow your head off. In 1970, Muhammad Ali triumphantly returned to the ring. At the hustler's party that followed, gangsters from around the country were robbed of a million dollars. This story from Atlanta, Georgia, has been reported for 50 years. But now, for the first time, you're going to hear what really happened from the people who lived it. Listen and follow Fight Night on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 13 Days of Halloween. A remote hotel. This, my friend, is Hawthorne Manor. 
the most unusual guests. They sound like someone you trust. Trick or treat! No, sweetie, don't touch it. Don't look at it. A tour guide that can't be trusted. Was it luck or fate that placed you here? We'll never know. And the newest arrival is you. Why are you here again? I love you. Starring Keegan-Michael Key as the caretaker. Please make yourself at home. After all, this is it. Produced in three-dimensional binaural audio to place you right in the center of the story in ways you'll have to hear to believe. For full exposure, listen with headphones or AirPods. One story each night, starting October 19th and ending on Halloween. From iHeartRadio and Blumhouse Television, listen to Aaron Mankey's 13 Days of Halloween on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> what about, let's, let's move on to the next topic on our list. Everyone gets to discuss who they think abortion. Joe Biden might choose as his vice president this okay. week. Oh, my God. Which I've never heard anybody agree on. Stephanie, I'm going to let you start, young lady. Thank you, Clay. And by mm-hmm. the way, I know you're the host. I just couldn't fucking hear you talk because everyone was talking over you. That's yeah, what I was yeah, trying yeah. to say. Who's yeah, the host? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so Biden's got to pick somebody. I met you at the real Politicon. We're hoping maybe yes. by July he'll say have a short list. Um, there's so much speculation now, and one yeah. of the questions is kind of he's kind of gone into hiding, not not hiding maybe, but he's certainly been quiet um, for good or for bad. Who knows? But but how does that make this pick more important because it might be the next time we see anything big from Biden? Is his VP well, and who? Since he's up by eight to nine points in every poll, I think his strategy is working to just let Trump keep talking. But I'm a Kamala That's girl because I'm, I'm out here in California. And uh, I've always, I mean, Kamala was my uh, first pick in the primary. She and Liz Warren were kind of competing for my heart out here. Um, But that being said, I've had Val Demings on the show. She's fantastic. Um, You know, Susan Rice, Stacey Abrams, they're all, I I mean, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, they're all formidable women. So I I think he has a... What do you think um, he needs to fill? what, What slot? Does he need someone who he can govern with? Does he need someone to appeal to a certain voter um, base or demographic? What do you think he needs most in that slot? Well, I always say black ladies are America's early warning system. So I I do think, Uh, you know... What? they're America's Excuse early me? warning system. Yes, they Excuse me? hugely voted against Trump. They tried. They tried to stop this disaster. But I, uh, as a black I, I think, lady, uh, I find that really bizarre. Just really it out there. Really, black, yeah. black women vote largely, hugely for uh, Democrats, and I, I, you know, I, they tried to yeah, head off this Democrats disaster. Because Democrats knock on our doors and keep t- selling us lies and telling us they're going to help us when they put our families on welfare. They oh, campaign okay. So Democrats have never come up with anything that's helped. I'm people. telling you, as a black woman, that's just a very bizarre thing to say. Don't okay. use well, us we, we have to push your point. Make your own point from your race and from who you are. So How why you try that, why, Stephanie? Okay. Instead of why using other why bodies you me, to push why your point. So you're insulting the 90 percent of African American women that are they I'm stupid? I'm insulting you stu- because you dominate this conversation. I'm a black woman. You think I right, call but, other black women stupid? Well, why, why don't you just speak from your race Democratic? and your people? Because they've been brainwashed by Democrats. Oh, if I, someone come, okay. someone knocks on your door and gives you free things, of course you're going to vote for it. Instead of educating people, I'm not saying everyone free should things? vote Republican. Yes, we're talking about okay. slavery of the system. We're talking about putting people on welfare. I am a black woman. I have cousins who've been trapped in the system on welfare, trapped in prisons. And I'm not saying Republicans are perfect, but at least the first step back is getting black and brown people who've been disproportionately stuck in the system for years to come out. People who so are you're first saying time black people only offenders. vote for Democrats for free stuff? Because I'm what, saying what, is, what do you consider people, free stuff? I'm telling you, my people have been brainwashed for years by Democratic Party, and it's not been doing much. Even Anthony admitted that a lot of the Democratic Party, and I respect him for saying this, has used women's issues and people of color's issues to campaign on. But then when it comes down to the facts, what are they actually doing? I don't care what party you represent. I want to see what you're actually doing for my people. So when you say something like, oh, black women are the, the early warning signs and just use that as some flippant thing to say, I I want to know why would you I, say I don't mean that? It in a flippant way. It sounds it sounds very flippant and it sounds I, I, like you don't know what I you're talking know, about, Stephanie. I, I want to know your what's, experience. 
What do you? What would you consider a success movie? Using if we get to, if we get to two hundred thousand dead, I just want to say that. That's all I wanted work? to say. Continue. Well, okay. well, I want to. I don't want to go back to Corona now, Stephanie. Um, okay. Don't drag us back down that that rabbit hole. <laughs> um, uh, but but let's but let's explore but let's explore this a little bit more. And and Joy, just give us. Well, first of all, I'd love to hear you what what you think about whether or not Joe Biden needs to appeal to any particular demographic when he picks the the VP. Or but but I'm I'm fascinated mm-hmm. with your uh, your message that you think that the African-American population has been deceived. Is that, is that a good word? Is that what you're saying? I, don't put words in your mouth. I, would, I would say, I would say deceived. I would say told things that, you know, the campaigning for years, because listen, my black family, they all vote Democrat and they know I vote Republican. I voted Democrat until I voted Republican. And I never thought I would, but I've been told, oh, you know, Democrats are the party for black Americans. Democrats are this. And they campaign like crazy. They've got the, the greatest PR. They elect people in there. Uh, they, they put people in the front. I'm not saying all you Democrats don't, you don't are think Do you understand what Stephanie, do you, do you think that, do you understand maybe what Stephanie might be saying? Again, I'm not going to try to put words in your mouth, Stephanie. You've got Plenty in there already. You don't need any mind. Um, but, but, uh, well, but, but I do want to, to kind of clarify what you're saying, because it could sound as if, though, you are saying that a lot of black voters have wool over their eyes and are voting ignorantly. And I don't think that's what you're trying to say. But I think that maybe what Stephanie might be hearing, and it kind of sounds that way to me a little bit. I can't imagine that's, that's what you're That's not saying, what I'm saying. No, of course not. But I'm saying that I voted Democrat and a lot of my friends and family who are black voted Democrat until they didn't because they thought that this is what the party is doing for us. And I say that a lot of Democrats have told us one thing and not did it, not did what they said they would do. So Anthony, a lot you more about, of my friends are, yes. are, are walking away and opening their eyes and going, well, wait a second. I've been voting Democrat for 25 years. What have they done? I've got friends and family on welfare. I've got, you know, yeah. we, we, there's so many things that, ha- that have been promised. But then you see the Republicans who actually pushed through, which it was a bipartisan issue, but Trump signed it, the First Step Act, which is the first thing that actual president's done for criminal justice. Even Van Jones of CNN, who's a black gentleman, said, I got to give this to the conservatives. I, he's a stone cold uh, Anthony, liberal. you said the Democrats yeah. have been, have have needed to make sure that we're reaching out to certain, I say I shouldn't say we, but we all know, I'm, I'll own my bias, that, that Democrats yeah. need to be doing a better job of reaching out to um, certain populations, whether it's women or minorities. Yeah. How do you do? You, so do you agree with what Joy's saying? Uh, well, I, I would say it's interesting because my my belief and sort of the work that I do in comedy in terms of speaking to the people who already agree with me and not wanting to get clapped or right, but to force them to have to dig deeper into their belief system and how they participate in it is not an endorsement to me, of the of the the thinking of the right. I mean, the right, which is born out of the John Birch Society, born out of a lot of uh, ways of, of the transition from Southern Democrats into Republicans, the power of the large, massive white churches that was co-opted in the 1980s in the response to the black churches primarily supporting Democratic candidates in the 60s and 70s. This has been a battle, but it's been a battle of two white-dominated parties that have been trading in different ways on race for decades. So I would just not take my comments to be some endorsement of the other side. I just think everyone plays in the mud, and I don't think anyone really considers the black point of view, the black woman's point of view, the Latinx point of view in this country. And yet, when we talk about the middle class, we constantly talk about the white working middle class, and that's a load of garbage. The middle class is brown. The middle class is Latinx. That's where the middle class is in this country. And the, the issue I will say is that I wish we could stop using terms like welfare and things as if they are negatives and instead create some comprehensive system that both supports people in need and gives them access immediately in ways that can help benefit them and then also give them the access to education to either re-educate and move into a new field or Mm. to jump into a federal jobs program that will Mm -hmm. then pump them back out into the system. These are ideas we all agree on. These are ideas that any there's no person who doesn't think that's a good idea. And so my Absolutely. issue 
Clay, Clay, can I just jump in because... You've never jumped in before, Stephanie, so I should let you, but I'm going to let Carrie do it because she hadn't had any... Carrie hadn't had a chance to speak on this, and I know that Carrie, this is a big issue for you and has been for a while. So, so Carrie, you you weigh in, and then we need to move to um, uh, to our quickfire round, but um, Carrie, go ahead. Biden's going to pick Whitmer, by the way. Let me just say that. Biden's going to pick Whitmer. So I just wanted to say that because you asked that part. Biden's going to pick Whitmer. Go. Yeah. Well, yeah, to answer your original question, Clay, on who handicapping this, I thought Stephanie's point, as she mentioned Elizabeth Warren a few times, to answer your question on Biden and who he would need to satisfy the, the quote unquote demographic, I feel like Liz Warren would be a natural fit because she is further left than Biden. So if Biden were to get someone more centrist, like a Klobuchar or even Whitmer, um, that it, that's that's kind of doubling up his lane. And I think the Democratic Party is still very fractured. I mean, you and I were talking to, earlier this week, Clay, about uh, a poll that my organization, JustTheNews.com, where we partner with Scott Rasmus and the pollster, um, and he found that um, 28% of Democrats, uh, like, they don't want Biden to be the nominee, uh, or they think that um, but what did I tell you when you sent me that? What did I tell you when you sent me that? I told you that those are those no, are the same number of people who didn't want Hillary to be the nominee, and the more uh, yeah. less people than didn't want Trump to be the nominee yeah. in 2016. So I mean, it happens that way every year. I want to move on. I want to move on to our quick fire round. We take questions from the audience. You can send them to us um, on Instagram or Twitter at Politicon, or you can email them to podcasts at Politicon.com. We take questions from the audience. You send them to us. We put them directly to the guest for you um yeah. anthony yeah. mary from boston asks yes most americans get their news from social media are we mm -hmm. screwed yes absolutely <laughs> social media represents less than six percent of the u.s population if you count facebook okay it's 12 percent mm. but yet social media on on twitter alone is only six percent of the u.s population and that's including every bot account which means that the mainstream media and let's face it the that we're, you have to say msnbc cnn and fox the three biggies um are all drawing their trends from a non-representative pool. And I think it's incredibly dangerous um, what we're doing with how we're reflecting our popular views. We're having discussions and debates that have to do with minor nuances. And we've had discussions just in this podcast about things that we all in some way broadly agreed upon. And we don't have those discussions, which ties back to my red herring argument earlier. Let's let go of the garbage that we have no control over and look at the things that we can change in the future. Oh, I this like quick fire round, so I'm not supposed to weigh in. But if I was allowed to, I'd say amen. Stephanie Janet okay. from Phoenix asks, why aren't we hearing enough about universal health care? Um, yeah, no, exactly. I, I have to say, I, I can't believe that we're having a conversation about race when this is the most racist president in our history, oh, except the one that owns slaves. And he is in the middle of trying to take health care. Where are you going, girl? Healthcare. No, she said health care, so we're good. Well, she said Stop, Stephanie. He is in the middle of trying to... Quick fire round, she gets the floor. Can I speak? Thank you. He is in the middle of trying to take health care away from Americans because of his insane Obama hatred, which started with birtherism. If you want me to go through Charlottesville and on and on and the pandemic response team and having to undo everything Obama did. And now he is literally in court trying to take Obamacare away from people in the middle of a pandemic. So that that's how. I, I, to me, first of all, I, I can't believe we're even having a conversation about race that doesn't start with his complete Obama derangement syndrome, which is kill, literally killing people, not just Obamacare, but his un, undoing everything Obama did in terms of pandemic response. Um, Anthony, Jerry <laughs> yes. from New York City asks, with Trump being everywhere, how do you escape yeah. the character? <laughs> uh, I mean, pretty easily. I mean, I, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I maybe I maybe Trump is my hydrochloroquine because I studied him <laughs> for so long uh, and I watch him for so long. He does not really affect me. I mean, once in a while he'll make me a little nuts, but mostly I think I can usually tell where he's coming from on stuff. So I sort of just watch him like you would watch like a zoo animal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's that. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Carrie Rob from Oklahoma City asks, 
Does President Trump get a pass? Well, I don't know what you're going to say about this. I've I've known you long enough. Rob from Oklahoma City asked Carrie, (laughs) does President Trump get a passing grade on the coronavirus? Well, look, I'm a reporter, so uh, it's he really is an inkblot. Uh, and I think uh, listening to a liberal or a conservative, they're all going to say, he, you know, he's been the greatest thing since sliced bread if you're a Republican. And the Democrats can say he's botched it completely. But I do think what's interesting is that the vast majority of governors, not all of them, but um, on a bipartisan basis, I'm covering the White House. We're seeing a lot of Democratic governors who are coming to the Oval Office because they just want to get stuff done. And I just think it's very interesting and telling for the National Democratic Party about the difference between the Democratic governor's responses versus the Democratic Congress responses. And I think that a lot of voters are going to notice. And I I wonder if the California flip, and I know that that was a district that um, previously been Republican, but the fact that it was the first time in decades that Republicans had flipped a seat in California back in their direction could be a harbinger for Congress in the fall. Um, so, and, and then just looking at Gallup polling, uh, Trump, uh, coronavirus response, the polling is, is in his favor. So, I mean, time will tell, I, I, you know, like everyone believes, you know, one death is too many. So it's, it's something that we can't take lightly or be flippant about, but, um, I do think that, uh, uh, the reason why Trump has such strong support, you know, 96% within the Republican party, um, is because they see in him as someone who's really not going to let the media push him around when it comes to these types of headlines. For example, in the Washington Post, uh, the, the Trump campaign's or office sent out a, a notice saying, look, the Washington Post can't make up its mind about whether Trump is incompetent when it comes to testing per capita compared to South Korea, because uh, they were you know, screaming and complaining. The Washington Post was that, that uh, the U.S. was so far behind South Korea per capita in testing. And then hits the acceleration and and blows South Korea out of the water. And then the Washington Post makes a headline that says, so "Are you giving Trump an opinion, or are you giving your reporter's opinion?" <laughs> well, I'm just saying that you being, rep- being a reporter, like you started being, or you being an opinion person. Make up your mind, girl. I'm saying that's <laughs> I'm exactly what Kaylee. I'm going to move again, on to Joy because that quick fire, list. that quick fire round was one of the slowest fires I've ever heard in my life. Anthony Christie from Tampa asks, "Yes, is there anything we shouldn't joke about during the pandemic? Uh, Well, I mean, I'm a comedian, so of course my philosophy Mm. is you can joke about anything. Um, But there's always a consequence to your joke. It's like free speech. You have the ability to have free speech, but people have the free ability to respond to that speech. So we have this misperception that in comedy or in free speech, you're allowed to just say whatever you want with no consequences, and that makes zero sense. So, yeah, you could joke about what you want, but you better be prepared to, to pay the piper. Joy, Lauren from Dallas asks, what made you go public with your politics? Oh, I love that. Well, Lauren, what made me go public is I realized that I was wrong in a lot of the opinions I had before. I was not somebody who was educated on what I knew. I mean, I was listening to what most people told me I should believe, what I should say, according to my peers, my group, my gender, my race. You know, I live in Hollywood. I'm an actress. I'm a singer trying to make it, doing the hustle, uh, but have toured 35 countries. So had toured and and put out my own album. So it it had garnered success and was making a living doing my music and modeling and so forth. So I didn't really think all politics, but yet I wanted to be right. And I was, I found myself more self-righteous than correct. And it wasn't until I looked at the other data, I had a close friend who said, you should look at Trump. And I said, oh, that guy. And I looked at Trump and I said, my God, I actually agree with a lot of what he's saying. He sounds like how my dad would talk. You know, he's Italian and Argentinian. He sounds like how a lot of, you know, hardworking hands in the ground people would talk. And I'm like, I really actually agree with a lot of this, put America first and let's not rely on foreign governments and foreign oil. Let's put more jobs in the country. Let's let's be one nation again. And I thought, my God, I'm going to end up voting for Trump. And it's funny because when I did that, I felt this absolute fear wash over me where I knew I couldn't say that or I would be blacklisted in my own community. Don't tell me this because that's your next that's your next quick fire question. And I think we're having trouble. I think we're having trouble understanding the definition of quick, quick fire okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> stephanie <laughs> stephanie <laughs> tiffany from st louis asks 
and I'm not sure what it means, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Tiffany from St. Louis asks, President Biden or President Pelosi? <laughs> well, we, a girl can always dream that there might be a, an impeachment or a 25th Amendment because uh, more people die every day that he's president. So I'm going to go with President Pelosi as my first choice and then President Biden if I have to wait six months. But either way, it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, God, that was horrible. But OK, I'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> Carrie, Carrie, um, say the words quick fire for me. Quick Fire. Okay, let's try it. <laughs> Tony from Baltimore asks, will Biden bring out minority voters who stayed home for Hillary? He brought them out in South Carolina in the primary. But the question is, uh, I th- whether the, it, I think the reason that happened was because it looked like Bernie was going to win. And the more responsible uh, kind of older generation of black voters, how they perceived it, they wanted to put a stop to the socialism question. So it's, that's what's so interesting is that I think that a lot of black voters were very motivated against Bernie. I don't know if they're going to be as motivated against Trump because they didn't really show up in 2016 as much as they showed up for Obama. Okay. Okay. Joy. Yes. I'm going to skip that other one. I'm going to do this one. Joy, Ben from Nashville asks, could the Democrats ever win you back? Uh, no, <laughs> they can't. I know too much now. I would love to know Democrat friends. I have many friends who vote Democrat and we, sometimes we just don't talk politics. But well, they you know, if they could, if they became more like JFK, honestly, I feel like he was he would be considered conservative now. I think he, he would was be one a of Republican the today, presidents. Yes. He would be. And so Eisenhower, if they became like and Eisenhower yeah. would be a Democrat. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Stephanie, if they were JFK. Yes. <laughs> Stephanie, tell us how we can hear your show. You're on you're on Sirius. Tell us how we can hear you while we're um, in quarantine. Uh, I'm on and I know that I'm going to be on the top of these gals lists. Um, I'm, I'm going to listen to you just so I can scream at my radio, girl. <laughs> uh, well, there's six million listeners, so you can join the club. It's uh, Sirius XM stations around the country. Um, I'm on, uh, you know, I wherever you get the on the um, iHeart app, on the TuneIn app, um, free speech TVs in 40 million homes. Um, and uh, we're starting. We're about to start the Stephanie Miller Sex and Liberal virtual tour, which will go on sale this week oh, because we fun. obviously had to stop the uh, the live tour, which we were selling out all over the country, and we had you to. You need to teach me how to be able to. You might need to teach me how to be able to perform without theaters being open. Um, t- uh, so Sirius XM, what time and what channel? On uh, nine to noon Eastern and uh, six to nine a.m. Pacific, uh, Monday through Friday. And we also okay. have Stephanie Miller's Happy Hour, which I'd love to have you on. I know who you are. I just couldn't hear you over oh, all the Trumpers oh, on know. this podcast. <laughs> I feel like I've had enough Happy Hour tonight. I might. I don't even drink, but I'm going to start it after this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't either. I don't either now. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie, you um, you're writing. You're White House correspondent for Just the News. You just put up a brand new breaking news uh, uh, story just before we started recording, which was Wednesday night. But this will be out on Thursday. Tell people what what you just wrote about. Yeah, so the Trump campaign is officially announced that it's creating a competitor to ABC's The View, and it's called The Right View, and it's going to be co-hosted by four ladies, an African-American, two Latinas, and Laura Trump, who is the president's daughter-in-law, and it's Kimberly Gofoil, whose mother is Puerto Rican, her father's Irish, and she's dating the, oh, the president's son. Are you, are you giving me all um, their bios now? Is that... <laughs> well, if you want to know, okay, whatever. Just check it out. It's called The Right View. It's launching tonight, Wednesday, retroactively to yesterday, if this podcast is coming out. But uh, it'll be really interesting. And Clay, I know you've been a, a friend of The View, so... Are you going to go on this show? Can I? I'm going to take, gonna take a hard. I'm going to take a hard pass on that. Thank you very much. <laughs> a hard, hard pass on oh, that. But, but I still love you, Carrie, and I love <laughs> you, Joy, too. You've been a delight. Oh, tell people where you. we can tell people where we can hear you and find you and read all about um, what are, are your opinions on Twitter and all that jazz. Absolutely. You can go to joyvilla.com. So singer, songwriter, actress. I hit number one on Billboard, and I talk a lot about politics. But I actually do a live Joy Villa show on my youtube at miss joy villa it's m-i-s-s joy villa on youtube every weekday at 9 a.m pacific standard time you can chat with me live about all kinds of stuff and i'll have my book coming out soon just go to joyvilla.com very nice anthony uh Mm -hmm. where can we hear you where can we find you through um while we're all stuck in quarantine or before we our shutdowns are completely over oh my god how do we find trapped you are trapped 
please go to Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher. It's called Coffee with Tony, the podcast. Yes, I've interviewed mm. one of my friends twice already, but it's gonna get, we're going to get more people. <laughs> we're just getting off the ground. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tony Atamanik or, you know, I guess watch me play video games on Twitch. That's my thing. And, okay. and we can see you in what uh, what we do in the shadows. You're, you're oh yeah, you can catch me as Sean the neighbor and what we do in the shadows Wait, or what? the three busy devers. I love show. What? Yeah, I'm Sean. I did the superb owl episode. I was the. Oh was, my yeah. god, you killed it! That was amazing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I don't know if show. to be an actor or run for office, but Clay, I'll have to consult with you afterwards since you've already <laughs> done both. <laughs> I'm not, I'm stay my ass inside this quarantine permit. <laughs> okay. Oh no, Tony, that's you are awesome. the greatest. Uh, can I say you're the greatest? You're the only way I can stomach Trump. You are the absolute greatest Trump ever. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate Stephanie. And 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 I'm a fan. I gotta tell you, I'm a huge fan of Stephanie's. And I gotta tell you guys, Stephanie, man, I know she can. She was cutting off or whatever, but man, you gotta listen to her show because Stephanie's got all the real points. I've been listening to her for years, so I love uh-huh. every person here. I'm just giving love to Aww, everyone here. Okay. Thank you. And I just want to say it was Thanks really nice to love. talk with everybody here no matter interrupting not interrupting all of it's wonderful all at once but i actually i think it's really good and i do think over time we there's a possibility of understanding we all actually have relatively similar goals actually uh which is to make our lives better so anyway go on joy villa (laughs) carrie sheffield Anthony Atamic um, and Stephanie Miller, thank you so much for being thank with us. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So much fun. For you guys who are listening, download this, subscribe to it on all your subscribing podcasty places. You can um, email us your questions for next week's guest, who we'll announce um, shortly. You can do that uh, uh, at podcastpoliticon.com and on Instagram and Twitter at Politicon. And next week, we've got, like I said, an exciting show, and we're going to try to figure out how the heck we're going to get along. 13 Days of Halloween. A remote hotel, the most unusual guests, a tour guide that can't be trusted. And the newest arrival is you. Why are you here again? They sound like someone you trust. I know you can hear me. Starring Keegan-Michael Key as the caretaker. Please make yourself at home. After all, this is it. One story each night starting October 19th and ending on Halloween. From iHeartRadio and Blumhouse Television, listen to Aaron Mankey's 13 Days of Halloween on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. After you listen to today's podcast, here's one to add to your playlist. I'm Christian O'Connell, and I've had this thought for a while. What if you took the world's funniest and most interesting people... Hello, I'm Ricky Gervais. I'm Celeste Barber. Some people call me Beyonce. I'm Russell Brand. ...and asked them to share the stories behind their three most treasured items. No doubt about it, the guitar. I think I know the same chords now as I did when I was 14. From iHeartRadio, this is The Stuff of Legends. Add it to your playlist for free. Just search for Stuff of Legends in your podcast app.